Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I think that part of it is perspective, right? So God has this eternal perspective, and I have this very, very limited temporal perspective. God also has a global and cosmic perspective, and I have this very, very limited, like, sort of what I can see in front of you. See with my own eyes right in front of me right now perspective. Um, I also have a perspective. I mean, I can't escape this, that, that it's me-centric, right? Right. It's, it's me and mine and those closest to me and however you define that. Um, and God has an everyone, everywhere, for all time perspective. This series, we're reading and studying First Peter. I am so glad you're here. Joining me today is Carmen LaBerge. She's host with our, for our morning show here on Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. And we're going to be talking about First Peter 1, 1 through 9. We're also going to be referring to the study guide. If you want to get your own copy of the study guide, you can head over to MyFaithRadio.com and look for the Reading the Bible Together resource page. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you so much, Angela. I'm so glad you're here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. So when we started talking about First Peter, you were right on board because this is, this is a place that you've spent some time. So First Peter is um, a book that my husband Jim and I have spent a considerable amount of time studying. Um, he loves to read in the Greek and then actually like take the sentences and mm. take them apart and look mm-hmm, at them that mm-hmm. way. So um, spend a lot of time in First Peter and just find it such a such a rich and um, and wonderful resource for us as Christians, particularly, you know, if you're going through a time of suffering or distress and you imagine that maybe God is not sufficient or not present in the midst of that, um, First Peter really answers that in pretty remarkable ways. Well, and I was listening recently to Pastor Colin Smith, one of our programmers here on Faith Radio, and he was talking about often, too, we think that suffering means that we've done something. Mm. There's been some kind of unresolved sin mm. in our life, and that's why the suffering is happening, but it's really to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, before we get started... We're only t- it's only nine verses that we're talking about today. Would you mind reading them? It's such it's amazing nine verses. Yes, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us as we are reading the Bible together. So let's do that. This is the beginning nine verses of the first chapter of First Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is so much. Thank you for reading that. There's so much in these in these nine. Just, it's amazing. Yeah. So what what is standing out to you the most? All right. So I, I I um inexpressible joy like the the unassailable nature of the inexpressible joy that we have as Christians. Like no matter what, the joy we have in knowing God is uh, it's just something that the world cannot touch. Um, you can experience an unassailable joy in Christ Jesus, even in the midst of the most awful of circumstances. Which is so counterintuitive. Totally. Totally counterintuitive. It's like in times where, so one of the times that I've experienced it is I have two boys. Both of them were born early, but when the oldest was born, he was born six weeks early and he spent time in the NICU. And I was at peace. And the only, the, well, like this speaks to prayer too. I knew that there were people praying to us. I knew that God had us. And so in the midst of that, I I couldn't believe that I wasn't falling apart. Mm. And I knew that it was because people were praying and that God was with us. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm not really sure at that moment or in that time I had, I recognize the joy but the the security and the and looking back the joy that god was with me through that entire both of us through that entire all three of us <laughs> through that entire happening yeah experience right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah through that trial through that yep. experience of real suffering and and questioning and is god in control and is he good and is i mean you know, are we going to be all right and and the answer is God is good and God is sufficient and um, and he you are his and he's got this no matter what, no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if my child comes out of the NICU and has some special challenges the rest of his life, he still belongs to God. He's still precious in God's sight. And whatever it lies before us, we walk in it by faith, carried by Christ. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't change the reality of who God is or who I am in relationship to God, um, even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances. And some, I mean, I think you make a good point too. Charlie didn't end up coming out with any special needs, but you're right. If he had, I don't know that curly hair, that mop of hair (laughs) is so awesome. There's gotta be something going on there. That's different. (laughs) And both of them actually. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but you make a good point about even if, I mean, because we, we pray, we ask God, we you know make supplication to the Lord, and and sometimes still trials and suffering happen, and so that allowing a lot, I feel like allowing that circumstance to broaden your our my knowledge of who God is, mm-hmm. because I think we have an idea of who God is, and then we hit trial and suffering, and we wonder and we question who we are to God, because why am I suffering? And we question who he, who he is. How can he be a good sovereign God if this bad thing is happening? Mm. And I think trials and suffering are an opportunity for us to cling to mm-hmm. who we are in Christ and to cling to who God is and allow God to be who he is and for our view of him to maybe get corrected. 
Yeah. If we need it. To it's do. the, I think that part of it is perspective, right? So God has this eternal perspective and I have this very, very limited mm. temporal perspective. God also has a global and cosmic perspective. And I have this very, very limited, like sort of what I can see with, in front of you, see with my mm-hmm. own eyes right mm-hmm. in front of me right now perspective. Um, I also have a perspective. I mean, I can't escape this, that, that it's me centric, right? Right. It's, it's me and mine and those closest to me. And however you define that, um, and God has an everyone everywhere for all time perspective. Like, and so, um, Part of what I feel like Peter gives us throughout this book, but even right here in these opening verses, is this eternal perspective. You know, where is my inheritance? Um, Where, you know, where is this being kept and preserved for me? Um, It's in heaven. It's not here. Um, It's imperishable. Like nothing can assail it. Um, And uh, and I think that, Angela, one of the things that I hope everybody gets uh, in this reading through the Bible together study of 1 Peter is what we're called to. Mm. Because I feel like the sense of this whole book is that we are called to a life that is marked by grace. So this, um, I'm called to live a life that that's an experience of God's grace, that's a response to God's grace, and that's a living demonstration or an expression of God's grace. And and if we if we instead think the whole book is about suffering— I think mm. we miss the grace. Mm. And I think we miss what the book is really about, which is how do I experience the grace of God in the midst of whatever's happening? How do I um, respond to that grace in the midst of all circumstances? And how do I then live in that grace as a demonstration of it to others? I'm just sitting with that for a minute. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Because I, I think you're right about our perspective is small and short and narrow and when we have when we trust even if even when mm-hmm. that he's that his his grace will cover it and that he's going to be glorified through it and i think sometimes that can be hard to say when you're in the midst of suffering that oh this is going to bring glory to god i think that takes Oh, like if if someone's listening or when I was new to my walk with Christ, for someone to say to me, oh, well, your suffering is going to bring glory to God. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not the time to say that. No, right? no, no. no. It, no. It's, in the it, midst of suffering yeah. is not the time to say no. to someone that their suffering uh, is is a glory to God. That's not, let's not do that. If you're yeah. listening right now, let's not do that. No. But, um, but I had one time in my life, so between our two boys, I had several miscarriages Mm -hmm. and when we were having the first, when we went to the doctor and found out there was no heartbeat, Mm -hmm. I was going to miscarry. I went home and cried and cried and cried. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, Lord, this is something that you're going to use. I'm giving this to you. And will you use it? Because I think pain for pain's sake feels cruel. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's what he's about. I think he's about pain for a purpose, whether it's bringing glory to him or that I've been able to come alongside other women who have had miscarriages in a way that I wouldn't Amen. otherwise be able to Amen. and say I've had a similar experience. And so I think that's one of the ways that he brings glory to himself through it, that he loves us so much that he will use it and that he will bring people into our life who have had who who have some understanding everybody's situation is different but i i think for someone to say words of you know i 
I was angry at God when this happened makes it feel a little bit more. You can feel a little bit more normal in the process that you're going through. Yeah, you don't feel unfaithful by asking the question. It's not unfaithful to ask, is God good? It's not unfaithful to ask um, why is this happening? Those are not unfaithful questions. Because those, those are happen- Those are questions you have. You course. would ask in a relationship. Of course, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and he wants to hear what's really going on in our right. hearts. He already knows, but he he does love to hear it, us express it. I mean, don't we want to hear our children ask the real questions that they have, not keep them from us? Right. We don't want them hiding in the darkness of their closet with their own pain. We want them to bring their pain out into the living room and to the kitchen table and, and so that we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real and we care. Um, it doesn't mean that in the moment I can make their pain stop, but it does mean that I can walk with them in the midst of their pain. And that's what God does. Yeah, that's something that we've always said to our boys. If something happens, make us your first phone call. Because Amen. we're we are on your side, Amen. and we are going to help you through this, no matter what. No matter what, yeah, I love you always and forever, no matter what. And it feels like it's getting really real. The older, so right now, my boys are seventeen and fourteen, and you know when you get to an age where you, you know, you get out of the house and you start evaluating what your life, what your upbringing was like, to go back to your parents and have hard conversations might feel. Um, ungrateful. Might make might, you might think, oh, if I go back and say that, I'm ungrateful. Similarly, I think it, sometimes it can feel ungrateful for us to go back to God and say, you know what, I really have this. I really have a problem with you <laughs> with what happened here. But if my my boys came back, that would be a hard thing to hear. But I would appreciate that they felt safe enough with me to be able to have that conversation with me. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a book. First Peter is a book that is written. Um, very, very specifically to believers. And I think that's um, something that we should note at the outset. Um, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that's described here, Peter is assuming, Peter is making the assumption mm-hmm. that it, it is believers in Christ who are reading this. Um, and so if you're not a believer in Christ, there is going to be a lot here that you are not going to understand. And I just think that's important to say that this is a book that is written to fellow believers. And so Peter is making the assumption that the Holy Spirit is at work doing sanctifying work in in those who are reading these words. Um, and so when Peter says that uh, that these who are reading have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit— for obedience to Jesus Christ, um, the whole Trinity is operating here. Mm-hmm. The whole Trinity is in view. Um, and I think that's important throughout the book of First Peter as well. And so there's some things that are teed up here in the very first few verses that you're going to want to, as you're reading through First Peter and studying it, you're going to want to circle back around these first nine verses because Peter's going to spend the rest of the conversation in different ways unpacking what he's saying right here at the outset. Well, and it builds on itself. There's a lot of therefores. Yes. And what if lot you of see therefores. a therefore, what is the therefore, therefore? Amen. <laughs> yeah, to keep that it's all building on itself. Yeah, and if you and if you get to a therefore in First Peter and you do say to yourself, what's this therefore, therefore, go back and it's not a very long book. So mm-hmm. go back and read again so that you can arrive at 
the place in the conversation where the therefore appears, and you can understand the uh, the foundation that Peter is building on at that point in the book. So as you've gone through trials, what what are some of the the truths of who God is have you had to remind yourself of as you've gone through trials? So for me, relating to God as Father has um, always been um, kind of the precious center. Um, I lost my dad when I was 15, and he was only 43. He died of a heart attack. He was on a business trip. Um, It was completely unexpected and unanticipated. Um, I had grown up in in the church, um, and I had experienced um, the death of a very dear friend who was just – she was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore – um, just a couple of months earlier, um, death was suddenly not only very real, but very important, very important. What what really does happen when we die? Mm-hmm. Um, I was asking questions at 15 that my friends were not asking, um, or certainly not nearly as acutely as I was asking. Um, the, the peace of Christ that God gave me um, when I asked— when I gave all of myself that I understood to all of God that I understood and the gift that the Father gave me of peace and the invitation to come to him with whatever I needed from that moment forward forevermore, um, that that was real. It was tangible. Um, I continue to experience it. When, um, when I turn to God in any moment, in the flicker of any moment, um, I am turning to the Father, and and I know that I'm doing so because of the access that's won for me by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I'm doing so filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, right, those all all members of the Trinity are operational there. So for me, um, it's a it's an absolutely um, hard hard one, um, but honest relationship with the Father. And I. He's sovereign. He's gracious. His provision is overwhelming. Um, You know, the depths of his love are beyond my ability to fathom. I'm never going to reach the end of his love. Um, He's he's waiting for me to come home. I can hardly wait, uh, you know, to to make it all the way to the father's house. Like I um, for me, it's it's who God is Mm -hmm. that gets me through the trials of this life. And there are many. That's a, an exceptional way that you responded as a 15-year-old to the loss to to give all that you were to all that you understood who God was. Carmen, how did how did was that out of desperation or mm. was that out of was that modeled to you by someone? Yeah. So um so I was a wreck as you can imagine. Um but I was already scheduled to go to this young life camp called Windy Gap. Um and uh and so we're on the bus. We've arrived at Windy Gap. I'm a wreck, let me mention again. Um, and Dan Fields, who was a senior in high school, um, and I mean, literally, I can see his face right now, like such a precious young man at the time. Now, obviously, you know, a precious dad of grown kids and on and on and on. Um, he, he just looked at me on the bus and said, I mean, like, do you want peace? Hmm. I mean, I was a wreck. And, and I said, you know, yeah. And he said, because God... God can give you peace right now if you really want it. And he told me how, that all I had to do was give everything that I knew of myself, all the mess and all the fear and all the emptiness and rage and everything else that went along with, you know, where I was at that stage, um, give it all to God. 
And in its place, God would give me this peace of Christ, which passes, which passes all understanding. He's like, and it doesn't, it, you don't have to understand it all. You can give all of, of you that you understand to all of God that you understand. And, and God will then spend the rest of your life making himself more and more known to you. So I did. And it happened, Angela, in the backseat of that bus at Windy Gap. Like I, the, the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding became mine. And it's mine today. It's what I operate out of moment by moment. That's amazing. I mean, that feels like that must have been a hard won truth for Dan to know. And so that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Someone who's walked through something that can then turn and offer, make an offering to somebody else that he must have, I'm just guessing, must have had to win to understand how to find peace. And then he's able to turn and offer it to you. Yeah, I don't I don't have any idea, right? I don't I don't know what Dan's experience mm-hmm. of trial had been to that point. He was a senior in high school. I can tell you that I remember him as um being a person who literally always had a smile on his face and and in whose presence you felt joy. Mm. I don't know. I mean, this is sad to say, but like I know almost nothing else about him. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that his presence in high school. Right. As was, a high school was senior. Was like the manifestation of joy. Mm. I know. Amazing. It seems, I mean, you know, thank you for calling forth that memory and that name. And, you know, Dan, I guess if you're listening right now, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we keep in mind as we, you know, either look at these first nine verses or yeah, in the in the, first Peter? The one thing that I would say um, to, to keep in mind that maybe we haven't touched on yet is that this is a living hope. Mm. This is a living hope. And when you're when you're reading or studying this and you sort of forget, you know, what where is the touch point? Where is the ground <laughs> I'm standing on here? This is a living hope. Mm. Yeah, ongoing, never ending, always and forever. Omega, alpha, omega, forever. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you thank for you. spending time looking in First Peter. Thank you for reading all of those hard city names as well. <laughs> you read the verses. <laughs> And for sharing of yourself. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Angela. Thank you for listening to this conversation about 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. If you're interested in finding out more about this or our other Reading the Bible Together studies, you can head over to MyFaithRadio.com and search Reading the Bible Together resource page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you tomorrow for a conversation about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 25. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.